0: What's up, guys, and welcome back to the show. This episode of Bitcoin Rapid Fire is supported by CoinKite and Fountain. Whether you're new to Bitcoin or have been stacking for years, CoinKite has what you need to secure and use your Bitcoin properly. Taking self-custody is the only way to truly own your Bitcoin, and the cold card hardware wallet is a time-tested, best-in-class solution for doing just that. If your Bitcoin is still on an exchange, you are missing the entire point of Bitcoin, And as many recent examples have shown, you are exposing yourself to an unnecessarily high risk of having someone else take or lose your money. CoinKite has what you need to fix that situation. They also have something called a block lock, an internet connected countertop display for showing when blocks are found by miners, exchange rates in various currencies, exchange rates in sats, and much more. At this point, it's effectively a must have for any serious Bitcoin aficionado. Use the promo code VALIS, VALLIS, V A L L I S, and get 5% off this and everything else at CoinKite.com. As the friction of sending Bitcoin payments trends towards zero, a whole new way of interacting online is emerging, which has taken on the title of Value for Value, which, as you might have guessed, is the concept of sending value, specifically SATs, back for whatever value has been received. Fountain.fm has been a pioneer in this new domain and allows podcast listeners to stream or send one-off payments directly to podcasters should they wish to send a token of thanks or appreciation for their work. Getting started is easy. Just download the app on Android or iOS, and you can either top up your Fountain wallet with a bank card or send a few sats there from another wallet. Alternatively, you can even earn sats by listening to episodes and clips and build up your balance that way. To learn more, visit Fountain.fm today. (laughs) Gentlemen, good to see you all again. I feel like I think I say this every time, but I feel like it's been a long time since we've done one of these but uh how's everybody doing? Awesome thanks yourself Great, yeah, been relatively quiet lately, and I really like it. you know we're focusing on um writing mostly and uh trying to get a book at least to a a draft that I can start. You know, looking at a finish line, uh, you know, getting closer to the finish line. So, that's been very rewarding, but also very challenging. So I'm, uh, but I'm enjoying the solitude. It's nice to tune everything out and focus on one one particular thing. What about you guys?
1: Not well, much. it's I mean, Foss here. Go, oh, good, sorry, Greg. Go, go good, back. Greg. Hey, boys. I'm, uh, I'm just on a train, riding into Toronto. So after this, I'm going to go on uh, dark screen. But you can't miss a JV with Jeff Booth and Preston Fish uh, podcast, even though I double booked myself somehow in this foolish world of mine. But uh, I'm going to go on uh, uh, screen off or video off. And I just want to say it's always a pleasure to be on with you uh, three gentlemen. Uh, It's been a a great journey since we first met back in Bitcoin Miami. So uh, can't miss it, boys. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Preston, what's, what's likewise new in your
2: world. To, to Greg, yes. Um, yeah, not too much, man. Just the usual, just kind of watching this price action, looking at the markets, seeing the, the yield curve kind of uninvert itself, which is usually a signal for uh you know interesting things to come in, in markets <laughs> as far as like unemployment and whatnot. So uh and Noriel uh Rubini. Uh, just launched his own uh, token that is AI, ML, climate technology, and blockchain all wrapped in the one. I mean, how how much more exciting can things get?
3: <laughs> isn't that isn't it nuts?
0: Like uh, it's, I, I mean, he, it's outrageous.
2: I I thought it was a joke. I thought somebody was just clowning around, but it's 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 a true clown token. I mean, this thing is like as clown as you can get.
0: Put all the buzzwords together. Yeah. Stamp from, from, from the guy. Economist that's been <laughs> the biggest hater on Bitcoin ever onto it. And, you know, there you go. That's what you have. That's the, the, the you know, the Frankenstein child of all those things together. Be interesting to see when he actually comes out and, and has to <laughs> say something back. about it. <laughs> well, <wasn't> saying, but... <laughs> um, well, speaking of which, Preston, I mean, and I th- we say this too every time we we get together but there's a lot going on in mm-hmm. macro world and i mean things seem to be coming to a, a bit of a head at least for this you know recession that we've been talking about probably for the last year and as you th- as you say the the traditional indicators are starting to point to that and that may you know facilitate or lead into oh. Rate pauses slash cuts, and that is often the arbiter of you know the big event that characterizes any particular downturn, so why don't you give me your you know ten thousand foot view on what's going on right now?
2: Yeah, so I would just uh I'll tell you what let me build a chart while we're talking, and then I'll come back and kind of show you kind of graphically when a lot of these uh, so, like we went through this period where, like long duration bonds were providing lower yields than the shorter duration stuff. And when you kind of mix those those spreads between long duration and short duration, and you kind of show it graphically, you can see uh, in past recessions how once that started to uninvert itself, it was a precursor in the timeline of like what was coming next, which was a lot of mm-hmm. unemployment. So we're starting to see that uninvert itself. So I'll build kind of a chart here while we're, while, while we're talking and kind of graphically show you kind of where we're at in that timeline and like what it meant for unemployment uh, going forward. But just give me a, a couple seconds and I'll kind of show you where you're at. So Jeff, I don't know if you want to kind of talk to sure. that or maybe something <laughs> different. I'll talk to something at a higher level
3: um, because I, I think what's happening here is it, it's so... I think most people are so confused by economics because it's meant to be confusing that they miss the simplest thing on, on the planet, the absolutely simplest thing, that in a free market, deflation is the norm. Every year, prices fall and you get richer as productive, productivity flows to society through the form of lower prices. That's economics. Everything we live in is a, is a, is a structure to buy, try to to try to accrete power through a structure that stops that. And that structure has to constantly lie and manipulate and make up new rules and have people like Rubini tell you why you don't know what you're doing. And all of the things we're talking about in macro are inside that other structure, waiting for something to break, right? Everything, mm-hmm. every single action. And we and you just imagine the cost to society. Of all of that, just bullshit. It's just complete bullshit. Um, and and what Bitcoin's doing, what Bitcoin's doing, is repricing the whole thing over a long time horizon, and it doesn't care. It doesn't care about what people are saying over here. It doesn't? It's like it's just complete nuts. And and you can see it, right? It's so. I use my house example. My lake house cost one point four million dollars in the fiat world, three and a half years ago. Today, it's $2.1 million. In Bitcoin, my lake house cost $300 or 300 Bitcoin in the Bitcoin world three and a half years ago. And today, it costs 40 Bitcoin. And so, in a system that can't be manipulated, all prices are falling in accordance to the free market. And there's nothing that anyone can do about that as long as Bitcoin stays decentralized and secure. It will reprice everything else. And and so at that level, I, like I, I, I'm fascinated in all the intricacies of of how things move, when they move, what the, that looks like. But at that level, the, the macro, that's what's happening globally. And it's not right. negoti; it's not negotiating with anything.
0: I totally agree. Um, just one second, Jeff Preston. How do I do that? How do I give you the control? To oh, sh-
2: um, I think you, uh, Jeff. I don't know if you know how to. Yeah, share screen. Share screen. Do yeah, I make you a I host? I clicked on that, but he has to give me the... Uh... Yeah. yeah, it has to hey, be Greg, John. I
0: think you need to go on mute there. I'll, I'll, I'll make you a host, Preston. Let's try oh, that. Okay. Yeah, that should do it.
2: And I'm muting Greg there. Okay. All right. I think I can... Okay, perfect. I can do it's it. Like you've done this before. <laughs> All right. So here's the here's the graphic. So just to kind of orient people to what this is, because this looks like a bunch of squiggly lines. uh, You got a very long timeline here uh, that we're looking at. This goes back to 1993. Um, And on the top is various uh, credit spreads. So um, like the orange one here is the 30 year minus the three month. So if we had, let's say the 30 year was yielding uh, 5% and the three month note was yielding uh you know 2% you would have a positive 3% uh number right here which is kind of what people should expect like if you have if if i'm going to uh lend out money i expect to receive a pretty large return versus lending money out for 3 months like it's just natural that you should expect a higher yield but when you get in these really weird uh credit events where um where you're having liquidity issues what happens is is the uh, the long duration stuff actually isn't as in demand as the short duration stuff, and so you you get in these odd scenarios where like short duration money, three month money, is uh, yielding actually higher than the the uh, long duration money. So when you're looking at this chart, and we're just talking about the the thirty minus the three month, you can see here in January of '07 that that was at its peak. Negative inverted, uh, where where short duration money was yielding actually higher than long duration money, to the tune of uh, negative 36 bips. Okay, and when down here on the bottom we have the S and P 500. So look at where the S and P 500's performance was at during that you know unique point in time where short duration money was yielding higher than long duration money. You can see it right there. Then mm-hmm. you could go back to the 2000 period of time and you can see it, it went negative. This is zero, by the way, right here where I have the line and mm-hmm. anything underneath of that is a negative inverted yield curve. OK, and so look at where the equity market, the S&P 500 was at back in the 2000 time frame. OK, so here's where we're at right now in today where this thing has been negative for a very long period of time, I would argue most of all the you know the the spreads went negative back here and what was this time frame uh back in uh, late twenty twenty two um and then I would say we hit the peak of that three hundred and seventy one days later uh a a year later and I would say that we hit this what's the date here around June it was this it was this past summer that you reached the the peak of this negative I think it's uninverting itself right now, which means there's pain on the horizon. So when we just take a, a, a quick measurement from the bottom of these negative spreads, and you look at the depth of the 2008 uh, crisis, you were in the, the summer of 2009, uh, maybe the beginning of 2009, about here, that that manifested itself 766 days after you were at the peak inversion of your credit spreads, which would imply that if that happened this summer, like you're not going to get to the depths of like what's brewing for probably another year to another year and a half, two years from this, this, the, the summer of 23, just to kind of give people an idea of like where we're at in the timeline of, of some of this stuff. Now I'm going to uh, stop sharing the screen. Did, you good on the screen, John, Did I, did I kind of explain it, or did you have any questions on the graphic?
0: Well, I understand it. A couple of questions on it. One, just in general, I think it would be helpful to explain why the market would value a higher yield on a short-term basis. You know, like what's mm-hmm. happening in the market? Is it, is it, uh, well, you know, the risk, the, the longer term risk involved, or is it the necessity for cash because of the the level of debt yes. and the interest rates?
2: That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like you have to come up with cash, you have to come up with, with liquidity to service your, uh, your impairment that's, that, that right. you're dealing with. And so to do that, you have to, you, have to, you have to sell that. The other thing that I think is important uh, when you think about like just the sheer loss that has occurred on long duration uh, instruments, the banks were able to put them on deposit at the backstop facility which had a huge impact as to like not having to deal with economic reality. Like I don't have to deal with that pain. I can just put it on deposit at the backstop facility, collect the par value, pay a, a small nominal interest rate for, for exercising that facility. And then I don't have to sell it. And then I'm just going to wait for the next crash. And ho- hopefully rates are going to come back down. And then I'll put it back on my balance sheet and get rid of that thing. Is is kind of the mindset. Preston,
3: can I just jump into that because I think yeah. that's really, really important at a, at a way higher level. The entire global system is not marked to market. It's
1: <laughs> yeah. not just it, right. say it's it not louder. Ju- say it louder. <laughs>
3: it's just not. It's not just banks, but it's every yeah. so so so. There's there's hedge funds right now. There there there's there's private equity funds. There's venture funds that are closing the doors on on uh, on selling and so people think they have that money but if the selling was allowed to happen the money wouldn't be there because it would fall to almost nothing the, the liquidation of that event so what globally what's happening is we're pretending not to mark to market waiting for a, a massive infusion of liquidity so that these things aren't impaired and if they are impaired um Everything, everything fails. Um, so, it, so, you know, this liquidity is coming at some point, but how bad this is going to get on the back of this, because we're, we're living in make-believe land, right? It's nothing's marked to mark the globe.
2: So like all of this would have started to unravel itself and you would have had this try to reverse itself back during the Silicon Valley bank, if they would have let it fail and they would have, it would
3: have happened in 2008, back. actually.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: 2008 yeah. is when it would have yeah. happened. And then what you happened, what you did, is by by extending and pretending, you sent a note to capitalism that said we're for sale, right? And what it what happened is everybody that know now you're if you get too big to fail, you know the government has to 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 drive in and save you at the taxpayers' expense. So it created crony capitalism, and and you're and you're living on a, a way bigger bubble than 2008, exponentially larger, out of the same thing.
0: Before we move on from that graph, Preston, two two questions. Yeah. Um, one, so short-term rates go up because people need short-term cash to service debt, basically. Should that then be understood that the, the uninversion, that dynamic is changing? I mean, presumably with rates still very high, people still need need cash. Why is the the curve uninverting now?
2: That's a good question. I think Greg would have to... I don't know if Greg's uh, listened. Yeah, yeah, he 100%. might do a better job of explaining that than I can.
1: The long duration bonds will anticipate Fed movements much less so than the two year, and that's reflected in a three month as well, right, Preston? So what we yeah, have, cr- what we have, is a market. That is wrestling with a recession outcome. And then, in my opinion, the Stanley Druckenmillers of the world that are levering up the two year position as a law, anticipating Fed rate cuts. So it's, it's a twisting bull market steepeners, bear market steepeners, different words for them.
3: That's actually really well said really so Essentially, the, the market is betting on the Fed when they're fed, the Fed is, is, is going to, to have to,
0: to, to cut and stimulate. Right. And then the second question from that graph, Preston, is obviously it, it seems like the current inversion, as long as it's been, you know let's say from summer last year or whatever, has been far steeper and far deeper than at least the other two that were represented on that chart. And you can see it you know uh the the increase in the s and p was also much deeper leading leading up to it, and of course, this implies that the you know the the decline in the s and p is gonna be probably sharper and deeper than those times as well um, correct. <laughs>
2: Well, so uh, this, is, this is where this gets really difficult to forecast because if we, were, if we were prior to like the environment that we're in right now, which is turning into absolute uh, manipulation, um, where before I would say it was much less so in, in these previous cycles over the last 40 years, when you, when you get to this point, what everybody is starting to do is the math that James Lavish and many others keep talking about is this debt spiral. So they're looking at it and they're saying, Holy hell, like like they don't, they're not just gonna print and manipulate this a little bit, like it's going to be absurd, the amount of debasement that that comes into this. So, what hard assets that can't be debased through the fiat experiment should I own? Historically, it was like everybody would run to run the bonds because that was their protection and, th- and they knew that they could keep adjusting that and manipulating that so that it got more and more valuable. But now I think everybody has the exact opposite opinion that after they intervene this next time and add all this liquidity into the system, who in the, who in the world wants to own a bond when they know that, that the value has to basically Bingo. go up and smoke? Preston, it's, exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. The credit concerns whether it's debasement, credit concerns reflected in debasement, or outright credit concerns, the interest expense, the debt spiral, as James Lavish always says.
2: So, so the question then becomes: so, so equity, uh, quality equity that actually generates free cash flows, will be desirable to store your economic energy in. Okay, so. When we look at the performance of equities in the past, they got crushed through this through this uh you know re-steepening or uninversion of credit. But on this next cycle, I don't necessarily know. I, I don't know, <laughs> but it wouldn't surprise me in the least bit if high quality equity bid uh and did actually really well through this event because people have to store their buying power somewhere. Because right. they're pulling it out of these things that are dying, like just soul suckers, like sucking the monetary energy out of tr- hundreds of trillions in credit. Where does it go? Where does that, so can where do those can I jump, units go?
3: Can I jump into that? And I think that's the, the, what Preston just said is, is true. That's what's going to happen. But it's actually, those people are going to also lose money. They're just not going to lose money as fast. That's what in Bitcoin terms, relative to Bitcoin, Bitcoin. because the, 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 the revenue they're making in dollars that are being inflated away is, is, is essentially Bitcoin sucking in, into that. Give me a different, different take on this. What would, so you, you guys know my thesis and why I use that exponential example, the paper folding example is because, because, because because if you were looking at the rate of growth of an ai over 70 years logarithmically and projecting that forward you would know exactly where we were today and that's what i was re- referencing in my book the mirror image of that you would know exactly what would happen to the have to happen to the debt stack and then the and then the am- amount of easing that would come in because it has to steal that productivity it has to make prices go up in something that should drive prices down. And from there, you could say, who would win the most? So we know it's theft. Inflation is theft of that, right? And then who would win the most? The people that would win the most would be in charge of the AI companies and the biggest AI companies. So when you look at the Magnificent Seven, essentially, they're stealing that productivity the fastest, right? Because, because they're able to remove labor and leverage all of this labor, at a scale that other people can't. And we use those tools because it gives us so much value. And, um, and, and that's where people are storing their wealth into those companies. So no wonder there, there is no S&P growth without those companies. And so the bigger you are, the more that this is, like it literally is just taking the productivity that should be flowing to society in the form of lower prices and inverting it and, and putting it in the largest companies. Why do you think those largest companies are, the, the, are driving to regulate AI? It's not because of fear. It's because there's no moat on AI. AI. Prices fall to the marginal cost of production, period. The marginal cost of production of a line of code, creating other lines of code, is zero. So there is no moat the only moat is if there's so much fear and they have so much power that they they convince people to regulate it to give them a moat so we transfer more wealth to to those companies so it, it, like that's the piece all of this is connected and it's it's getting worse and worse and all of the people inside this connection are trying to store their money in the things that's making it worse does that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Right. right? It's and, similar know. to why we would buy more houses, right? Because, mm-hmm. because, because for a long time, our money didn't lose money as fast if we bought a house, right? Similar reasons. So, so it's, you have this perverse incentive that all of the money is trying to just not lose their money, making the thing that's happening to the world worse and worse. And Bitcoin is the only escape from that. Because it's a different system without counterparty risk to that system, it's repricing everything. It's the only possible escape. Now, will most people see it? No, most people will do exactly what Preston said and think they're winning, picking up pennies in front of a steamroller
0: um, inside that system while it gets worse. Very well said, and you- of course, I totally agree. Preston, just one—can you change the speaker view? You're uh, you're the boss here, so. It's in view. it's in gallery oh. view right now.
2: <laughs> I don't know how to do this. Uh,
0: <laughs> if if you're done graph sharing, you can you can make me the host again, and I'll I'll do it like that.
1: <laughs> oh, okay.
0: I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on speaker view anyways. <laughs> I'm just I'm looking at the well, Twitter a, the Twitter video. Hey fellas,
1: that's a fantastic. I i always learning stuff with Jeff Booth and Preston. Guys, I'm gonna jump. I'm not sure if you know I, I added any value except to say this I love you guys I love the true thinkers in the bitcoin community and it's times like this where you realize that's why bitcoin will win is because of guys like you and okay you. so well I, I, I love you guys already. okay I love you guys and look forward to watching the full show um I really hope that uh that Everybody takes to heart how true the the message coming out of the Bitcoin community is. Okay, so thanks, love from Cam. Love you too, Foss. Thanks for joining. See us. you, bro. See, See you, guys. You See you, Greg. Bye, guys.
0: Um, Preston, make make me Don't... the uh, the host again, and I'll okay. I'll sort of... Yeah,
2: gotcha here. Oh, jeez,
0: Preston, aren't
2: aren't you a podcaster? <laughs> 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 oh, what a disaster um My but you know so technical competence is coming out on full we, display <laughs> we
0: you know we we keep you know we're, we're speaking in two different levels of what's going on obviously jeff is speaking from a more broad view of things which i know we all agree with and then you know preston you're kind of dialing into how is the dumpster fire of fiat going to you know perhaps unfold in the next whatever period and you know, one of the things I was thinking, this is kind of tangential, but as you're saying, you know, that the the monetization basically of stocks, right? Because people are going to lose a, a safe haven. And so yep. even though historically stocks would have sold off big based on these charts and they still may do so, you know, you're not, you're not saying it's a certainty that things are going to materially change in terms of how people are going to react to this stuff. But it may be the case that because the bond option is not there, that the equity option ascends, you know, and, and people choose that and the magnificent 7 as you say have been sucking in all the capital basically but you did say that you know one of the other things that people may choose whether it's you know in public equities or perhaps elsewhere is basically cash flow you know a healthy business and it i couldn't help but think of micro strategy right because you have a healthy you know cash flow positive profitable business who is also leveraging their balance sheet with bitcoin to rectify some of those issues that we've addressed and Mm -hmm. as a result put themselves in a better position both to execute on their business and you know grow it being infused in various ways with Bitcoin. And what do you know? That stock has outperformed, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Preston, you're probably closer to this, but maybe with the exception of maybe NVIDIA, I haven't been watching it that closely, but it's over the last since that strategy has been adopted, you know, in, in the fall of 2020, it seems to have worked out exceptionally well. And so does this bode well for uh, the future of MicroStrategy, do you think, or this, this brewing scenario in the, the short to medium term? I think that uh, one of the most exciting things for me when it comes to
2: uh, MicroStrategy is that Michael didn't do this with 5% of his marketable securities or his treasury. He did it with his entire uh, liquid, you know, what would normally be a marketable security portion of your balance sheet. Because he did that, and because it is just so uh, in your face uh, from a corporate standpoint, I think he's going to greatly accelerate the pace of other businesses following suit in some capacity. I don't think, I don't think other com- companies are going to do it with the magnitude that he went into it. But I do think that them starting to allocate a five percent or ten percent of their marketable securities in their balance sheet towards Bitcoin is going to be uh, way more to the left in the timeline than what would have happened if Michael Saylor didn't put on put this on in full display for everybody to see. Sure. Um, and I think that that in the coming cycle, you're you're going to see a lot of companies start to allocate into this in a way that that. Would be unimaginable to people. Call it four years ago.
3: Totally Um, agree. I see a bunch of private companies that have already done that as well.
4: Yeah.
0: Well, it's hard not to when when you see Saylor on you know whatever financial news show, and he's just sat back, relaxed, smile on his face, moisturized, you know, and and the people are asking him about the stellar performance of MicroStrategy, and are you still a Bitcoin bull, and what about all this Bitcoin buying, and he just very matter-of-factly tells him. You know the thinking behind the strategy and then the results Mm -hmm. speak for themselves and you know you got to imagine there's people that need solutions to these problems that everyone is facing right now looking at that guy in that interview and be like huh i wonder i wonder if we could do something like that you know i wonder if we would have results like that if we followed a similar strategy and i'm almost surprised that 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 not as many have done it up to this point but if what we're saying about this brewing scenario is correct that there's going to be an imperative for a lot more people to find a solution and there's so many closed doors you know there's not very many viable solutions out there as we've been saying with regard to you know bonds and inflation and other options so you know I I, I tend to agree that others are going to be looking at doing the same thing so one, one thing that... and
3: so one thing just kind of from psychology that drives markets into and and what this when you When you're stuck in in a company, you typically don't have the mental capacity to be able to think totally different and drive something totally different. So you see companies do the same thing over and over and over again, instead of change the company radically. It is a rare uh, thing, what Michael Saylor did. But Michael Saylor is a rare person in his thinking, the first principles. And so he went down to the sand on this, understands the same thing you do, understands the same thing I do, precedent that. He went down the sand on this and said, wait, everything else is a risk. This is not a risk. The market believes it's a risk, right? But it's actually the the, the least risk thing that I could do to be able to change my entire uh, entire company. Very few people, both have the CEOs, don't have the magnitude, the, the ownership of a public company to do that like he did, mm-hmm. Number number one. So they are going to their boards and all their boards see it as risk. Um, and and worse is it, like when you're when you're pushing against something, you could try to keep on pushing. Like very few can rise up to say, "Wait, I could look at this totally different and take advantage of this by looking at first print principles." So, while I do think a lot of people will start to see this. Um, some of the companies just won't be able to because they don't have the free cash flow. They said so they don't yeah. have. They're already they're already non performing. And half of them, at least half of the companies are non performing, and, and the new interest rate structure and everything else like they're
2: already zombies. Yeah. Um, John, uh, I wanted to bring up one more chart to kind of demo uh, this, what we're talking about right now, which is yeah. the performance of Microsoft. I, I made you host again. Go for it. Okay. So, um, let's see here. Here's the chart. And um, as you guys are looking at this at this chart that I have pulled up, there's three lines here. The orange one is MicroStrategy, since Michael basically turning his treasury into uh, a Bitcoin treasury on any type of retained earnings that the company makes. And you can see his performance since implementing this, just from a stock standpoint, is uh, he's up 276%. And I'm using kind of a ballpark of uh, what do we got here? August of 2020. I think he may be implemented a little bit before that, but um, so that's his performance. Then when you look at the orange uh, color, that is the top seven uh, companies in the US, which is Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Meta, Tesla, okay. And uh, and then you have the S&P 500 in blue, and you can just kind of see that performance. But I'm gonna take MicroStrategy off here And um, the reason I wanted to to show this is because Jeff was talking about like a lot of the buying power kind of nesting itself into these top uh, mega companies, these tech companies. And you can see, uh, I mean, you haven't made a new all time high yet, but it's in contention, right where we're at right now. So in in whatever materializes out of this cascading liquidity event that's on the horizon, that that is going to be a Silicon Valley Bank like thing that occurs, and I think it's going to occur in the next twelve months, uh, most likely around whenever the um, the reverse repo, you know, gets to zero, which you know many There's are likely. Saying is, uh, yeah,
3: I'm I'm thinking more like six months, right? Yeah. on that, yeah,
2: yeah. So a lot of people are thinking that that happens by January that the reverse repo is, is completely, you know, sucked out and it's down to zero and then, then things are going to get really interesting. You might have some type of cascading liquidity type event that lasts for, I don't know how many days or months, but the amount of liquidity that's then going to be shoved back into the system, I think is going to cause these top seven companies to bid like crazy. Um, the companies that Jeff's talking about that aren't making free cash flows, they're going to get crushed. They're going to they're, the, that equity chart would look disastrous, um, and I, I think that's where there's going to be a lot of dislo- dislocation from like previous uh, market cycles that people think they can fully understand what's going to happen because it's just going to look like this last market cycle. I don't think it's going to be that. I think so, that-
3: yeah. Sorry, you keep going, and then I want.
2: Well, no. And I think in particular where that's where it's not going to be the same as in fixed income. So like fixed income would get bid. It would get aggressively bid. You would make a ton of money in fixed income through those types of events because it was the flight to safety. And um, I think you might see that for a very short period of time, just as a, just as a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Jeff, uh, almost like a, cr- a creature of habit or like, that's how it's always works. So that trade gets put on and it's definitely a trade. It is not an investment. There's wall street. That's just playing the momentum. And then I think it's going to swing back and the sell-off is going to be unimaginable. And I think the government is is already fully expecting that, and they're going to be ready with yield curve control to to peg those yields across the duration because they cannot allow it to happen. They cannot allow yep. that to manifest itself in a free and open market kind of way. They just cannot.
3: And so, so just playing on that, when you get to these points in in a cycle that is just literally all manipulation, and things have to change, right? And 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 you have to lock people in. Just keep in mind, for a lot of different things that you could never, you've never expected in your past, could happen instantly. Like Mm -hmm. banks could close for four or five days, right? Well, well, something like this is worked out to be able to read, like to take this, and you can see banks right now stop stopping allowing you from taking out larger amounts of money, essentially locking the doors, getting ready to because if there's a run on the banking and a liquidity squeeze this thing starts to to unravel really fast. So 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 you have to, and prior cycles didn't have bitcoin. right? Prior cycles weren't moving this fast. So you could you could prior cycles when the 40, in the 40s when when US had to do financial repression there wasn't another country that was, that was vying for economic control. So, so it looked very different and people just had to put up and the market wasn't moving as fast. Information wasn't moving as fast. And so, so you could run financial repression on a population um, um, for a long time and get back into a debt service that was, that was able. This is so different because you have a counterparty, you have a, something that's outside of the system that people can just walk across and measure a new system. And it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger as this one gets weaker. So you could expect from these actions all sorts of things to try to stop the new system from, from growing, to try to stop people, to keep them locked in. So when governments are saying these things, and when 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 Liz Warren writes the letter and everything else, these are coordinated responses to try to get people fearful to keep them locked into the burning building. Yes. Um and 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 because there is just no other way, mathematically, it is impossible for this system to survive against the forces of technology moving the other way at an exponential rate. And so the only thing is that can re- rebuild it is a new, si- is a new system that is, doesn't have a counterparty to that. But most people will stay
0: in the existing system with all the risk and ask for more of that intervention because they'll from, think that's a solution it,
3: right that, so so this is one of the things that george gammon i just I, from life i actually I, I like him and everything else but this isn't what he he misses what comes first right he misses the the correlation not causation he misses the cause so when he looks back at his charts and he says he's looking at these past cycles government spending went up uh, went up he misses the the, because government spending goes up because people demand it to go up, because they can't feed their families, they can't. So all of the government spending explodes to to be able to fill the gap that the private market can't, and 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 people vote for it. So in this case too, people will just ask everybody who owns houses right now, um, if those houses were marked to market would, on a credit event, and those houses fell about by like like ninety percent. Would they be voting for more manipulation of money? Of course they would. Right. Mm-hmm. The entire thing would. So, so it's, not, it's not governments. It's us empowering them by the system that we live in. Same thing that, that's driving the, the big tech companies. Um, and the same reason the tech, big tech companies are, are probably not driving to Bitcoin as fast because they benefit from a, from a theft of productivity and they benefit the higher you are in that system the more you benefit from that theft of the from from the rest of the population right and so this is all just totally natural and as we get locked into that system we become more fearful and we give it more power
0: which John, you know if we're going to put labels on things i mean I, I believe that is the definition of fascism right the 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 collusion of state and corporate power right and people think it's done in one fell swoop or a declaration of a new government, but it's not. It's done in this creepy, surreptitious way where you don't notice it, where you're just giving more and more power to those who you (laughs) presume to be acting on your behalf and that's being funneled to and enabled by those corporate powers and those two interests keep getting closer and closer and closer together until effectively though not superficially but effectively or fundamentally they are the same entity their interests are so aligned that they act in the same way Patriot Act leads to less and less uh,
3: to be able to surveil maybe leads to the next thing leads to all from fear caused yeah. by by weapons of mass destruction in Iraq that were never actually found right <laughs> that uh, caused by a whole bunch of things that that create you create a fear event to mm-hmm. be able to remain to remove individual rights of freedom slowly because right. people will vote for it and so all of these things from the existing system are totally natural and you could expect more and more and more um from uh from them i try not to give them much even though i know all of this happens if you understand the structure of what's happening, I, okay, if that's going to happen, I'm not. Right. <laughs> I, 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 um, I'm going to build the new system as fast as possible with the people that are building the new system. And it's actually why we're all so close friends and stuff because the people that are building that new system, you see hope, you see truth, you see abundance, and you and and you, you see a totally different world emerging than than the world that we're living in today.
0: Jeff, I'd like to ask you something about that. But Preston, did you have something you wanted to jump in with first?
2: Oh, I I was just going to say on the, and this is much more granular than the conversation you guys were having. I made the comment that on this next go around, like when they do get some type of cascading impairment that hits the market, that they're going to allow it to occur. You might see a bid in fixed income for a short period of time, and then they're going to try to lock in yield curve control at that point. The reason why I'm so confident and like why I think that that is just a matter of fact kind of statement is because I don't think real estate and I don't think the cap rates on everything that's been capitalized, the multiples on earnings and in particular, real estate can handle interest rates at these levels or higher. Yeah, I, I, I think we're seeing right now, I mean, some of these buildings that you're seeing, uh, the, the prices on some of this commercial real estate is so insane the the reduction compared to where they were priced when interest rates were nothing um you see the one in
3: st you see the one in st louis the four million the one
2: in st louis like i think it. <laughs> what did it go for it went for over 100 million and now it's at like 1.5 or 2 million yeah. or something yeah. like that so like there's a reduction of like 98 99 percent in the value of like prime time downtown real estate commercial real estate and um by the way the, to- the bank
3: the banks own these right so where is the money when they go broke
2: <laughs> yeah so i i had a i had a post on Twitter yesterday, just c- complete parody, but maybe not. I don't know, um, <laughs> but it, it was meant as a joke of like, when are we going to stand up the you know uh, the next backstop facility where uh, the banks can basically put their their deeds for all this commercial real estate on deposit at the Fed and to. basically get the par value the par value or the last paid price for the commercial real estate to make sure that those you know, 90% losses on commercial real estate don't manifest themselves onto their balance sheet. Cause like, that's, I guess next, I don't, I don't know. It sounds so ludicrous that like, it's laughable, but maybe it's not. I, I don't know. Like we're in such clown world at this point that it wouldn't surprise me if, if something as insane as that happened, the same know, thing is
3: happening by the way, the same thing's happening in China, maybe even on a greater scale. The same things cascading yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all around the world on a, on a staggering scale. So this, and, uh, and and that's why I said that we're living in a in a belief structure system that that nothing's marked to market. There is no market. There's no two, real market.
2: Two things to kind of zoom out to to talk to the points that you guys were making. Um the first one is just uh when you when you're looking at like what drives this like what has what has resulted in us getting here it's it's really simple it's first principles it's when you overconsume and you pull your future into today and you do that relentlessly over and over and over again and then the bill comes to be paid and you you're not making enough to service that debt that's what causes this the second point that I would make is once we went to a truly fiat system on a global scale, you, you entered into this really strange dynamic of a tragedy of the commons to debase your currency and to, um, like, if let's just say uh, Americans, we were actually playing by the rules, which we weren't. And we were like, we are going to have sound money or, or, or we're going to have a sound ledger, even though it's not backed by anything. If we put an extra unit in, we are going to take that unit back out of the system and we're not going to allow it to expand, okay? If you do that and everybody else on the planet is also on their own ledger system that's not backed by gold or backed by anything, you are incentivizing cheating in this system, which is a tragedy of the commons for fiat currency because- let's say Britain doesn't want to play by the rules or whoever else. If they debase their currency, their goods and services become cheaper and they attract all this other currency from around the world into their domain and they benefit from that. Okay. So you've, we, there was this really strange dynamic where everybody was incentivized through tragedy of the commons amongst fiat currencies to Uh, take the bait of not having an honest ledger. And so that's how we got over decades. That's how we got here. Can I give you
3: a very real example of what he's talking? Right. Very real example. So that yin and yang, the trade balance of the world has to equal zero, right? There has to be sellers. There has to be buyers. And so for, for a long time, we looked at China and China looked at it as, okay, here's going to be the sellers to the world. And then, and, and instead of revaluing their dollar up, they kept it pegged against the US. And so the US had to be the buyers of the world and the China had to be the sellers. And because China was growing so fast because of that export market, we had massive investment into it. And then in 2014, the US knows this too from a geopolitical thing because that Triffin dilemma creates essentially for, for, for the the industrial base of the US, you could never onshore your industrial base if your labor costs way more than somebody else's and so what China did in in 2014 is stopped buying U.S. Treasuries and started using essentially the American taxpayer to build Belt and Road by still keeping that peg and driving it into investing and being a geopolitical adversary by with the, uh with with that peg to the to the dollar so what Preston is saying is you can see this playing out now that China is kind of another superpower now this now this tragedy of the commons everybody pegging to try to the the US's dollar strength becomes its weakness because the jobs can't come to the US the, the 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 manufacturing base doesn't come to the US it goes to the cheapest domain and other countries are racing to be the cheapest domain now in one sense that allows the US relative strength to keep this system going for longer because what it means is all of the other places in the world, like our, our EVs wouldn't work unless you were digging a coal boat out, out of the ground in Ghana for $2 a day. Right. And so that massive inflation rate, that stealing of productivity from those people actually favors the US in that way because it keeps a, 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 a lid on inflation. And, and the US is in exporting inflation to these other countries. But that's exact. now we have. A new honest ledger, a new global honest ledger that doesn't care about all these games. Right? It's a neutral money that you can't uh, it's a and it is actually out of out of World War II and Bretton Woods. The whole idea was to be able to create a neutral money. But but the US was the superpower at the time and it had it pegged gold pegged to the US dollar. Um, and was able to and 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 we're back where we were back where we started
0: I'll I'll preface this comment by saying do you guys are asking I mean it may be a silly question but there seems to be so much going on in the world you know basically since COVID it seems like we're really in a historical moment now versus just kind of you know not being in such a discernible historical moment for the previous you know 20 30 or whatever it was years and you know so i don't know if you guys agree with that but you can you can tack on your answer to the the answer to this question which is so let's say there's a credit event in the next 6 to 12 months and let's say the you know the bottom of that in terms of markets is 6 to 12 months after that something like we were discussing before preston and there has to be intervention, right? There's money printing, there's QE, there's yield curve curve control. Presumably, that the the inflation genie comes right back out of the box, and we have those problems again. Now you guys can comment on that, but to to go to your point about when things destabilize, and this has been the case in the past, you know, again, World War II, and I th- I think it was Dylan who shared a maybe it was an IMF or BIS paper like. You know three or four months ago which was making you know a academic case for financial repression as a resolution to um you know overbearing debt burdens let's say you know situations you can't get out of how do you how do you rectify that as a monetary authority or as a government and financial repression was one of the ways to do it and as jeff was saying you know now there's a trap door prior to Bitcoin, there wasn't. You just had to deal with the repression. You had to deal with the theft of your purchasing power. You had to deal with not getting access to your money. You had to deal with controls of various kinds, how you spend, how you send, all that kind of stuff. Now that is gone. And so we're seeing the recognition of that and all these Elizabeth Warren types and the various things that are coming down the pike to try to account for that, to try to say, okay. We know we're going to need financial repression. We know that we know that this trapdoor exists. How do we put a gate, a lock, a you know, a trapdoor on the trapdoor, whatever it may be, to make it so that that doesn't screw with our plans? Now, you know, the the, the hardcore Bitcoiners among us may say, "Well, have fun trying," you know. Um, exactly. Fa- yeah, a- absolutely. But not without you know effort by each individual Bitcoiner, because they the, there will be many means by which They can make your life more difficult. They can invade your privacy. They can do all these things. So it's going to be a bit of a game of cat and mouse, in my opinion, you're going to have to be uh, sensible and conscious and educated by how you access that trapdoor. It's not going to be just as easy as, you know, grabbing the the handle and stepping through it as it might've been before. But let's say, you know, that continues to happen. Then we get Jeff, you invoked the, the example of the Patriot Act before, which I totally agree with. And here we are again in a time, whatever your current feelings are about the, the wars happening in the world, Russia, Ukraine, Israel, and and, and Gaza, they are used as, uh,
3: you know... Uh, they consolidate more power.
0: Exactly, exactly. They, 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 so,
3: they, you couldn't get away with the system unless you did that.
0: Right. So to restrict more speech, to you know, make enemies out of normal people more to take away rights, as you were saying. And so my, my question, long-winded way of coming around to it is, are we at a point, both from a perspective of the debt burdens of various countries, including the US, the potential for inflation when all these measures are, you know, kicked back into gear, the existence of such a threatening alternative in Bitcoin, and to your kind of thesis, Jeff, I think AI, you know, had its moment. It had its moment last November, right? It really came on the scene with with ChatGPT, and people. It, it's in the consciousness, you know, significantly now. And people realize, you know, you might not have gotten the the uh, exponential growth thesis before, you know, leading up to that. Yes, you know, Facebook and YouTube, but now you're like, oh shit, the pace of acceleration here is tremendous. And so, Jeff, I I, I really think it adds a lot of salience to your thesis because now you have so much need for that intervention, for that capital destruction, that, that repression up against a wall of, you know, that, that technological deflation, but another order order of magnitude more. So the, the, the the situation that you described in your book has, I think took another step in, in, in its development, where the two forces have are are now like another order of magnitude against each other, yeah. and so what kind of a scenario does that, you know, create? So there is no way to resolve socially, economically, yeah. so, all
3: so so, so 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 I don't think we're in a. I think we're in what will feel like to us because we're living it, the a moment that is going to drag on for a lot longer and it's going to be more chaotic and everything else, but times in history of great change have gone through these same moments when you got to these debt cycles that couldn't be repaid. I, when I look through the lens of what I think has actually happened through the entire lens of history, because people will cheat. If you can control money, essentially you can steal the productivity that should be flowing to society, and you get paid from everyone who works and you get a you get a free so that if you're so so what that would say is if humans could control money for their benefit over other humans, not they might they will right throughout history, um and and that's what this and and gold shows that because because through this through this eventually because gold gets decentralized and then the rules change. So here's what I actually think is how, and I didn't realize this even when I wrote my book. Um, I realized I thought we were living in just because of the exponential technology. But what I realized is technology has always been deflationary and and the fight against it was uh, the fight against it to control money always led us to this, which led to the short-term debt cycles. And then the short-term debt cycles couldn't be repaid in the market, and people didn't want their banks to fail. So so the government stepped in and bailed out the banks and centralized more of the banks. And then the government got bigger, and then it kicked up to a long-term debt cycle where you couldn't pay it back. And you had to create wars and convince your country to go to war to be able to create inflation or something else to be able to reset the rules of the game board. So I think throughout history, it's always been the free market is deflationary mm-hmm. the free the free the the, the the natural state of a free market is deflation um and and it's human beings um abuse of that to try to create more power that's been that's created these long-term debts uh, that, these debt cycles um Oh, Luke's joining. Luke is joining. Oh awesome. boy, look who's here. <laughs> um, and then and I brought Luke to Vancouver to see uh, see a robotics company. So I would, it would just, but let me finish this piece. And then, and so today that trend is just why I use that exponential trend or that paper folding trend is, is you can't see that if you look at AI, how fast it's growing. And you realize that that same AI is going to move into robotics and it's going to move into all of the hard things too very quickly what jobs are safe and so every time that you're stealing essentially stealing the productivity gains of the prices that should be flowing to people through lower prices to concentrate them up uh, in an inflationary market you're doing it at faster and faster rate what you're doing is you're driving society to to the brink because people what people are so scared of they're not they're, 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 if if prices fell at a rate that they didn't have to work as hard, they wouldn't be so worried. But if prices is rising and they lose their job, they wonder where they're going to, how they're going to buy their food and their house, and the house is going up and everything else. And all of this keeps happening at a faster and faster rate. Which is the driving of the brink of the us versus them in mm-hmm. society, mm-hmm. which creates the 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 same people pulling the strings to be able to say. This is the reason, this is the reason, and all those reasons, it can't be fixed from the system creating the problem. So what Bitcoin is, the hope of Bitcoin is it's a new parallel system that allows anybody to come over into the new system where prices do fall to the marginal cost of production for the people that are in that system. And then more
0: and more people are joining it. I guess what I would ask you off the back of that, Jeff, is... And I agree with everything you said, but because of the seeming rate of acceleration and development and deflation that AI is you know inducing right now and likely going to continue producing, that means that that dynamic that you describe where so basically it will accelerate seeming, right exactly it, and so it, it, yeah. but the 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 kind of the the tragedy of it or the the sneakiness of it is simultaneous to that people will feel like you know they They are more productive individually, and you know technology is cooler and it can do more. And that has some sort of pacifying effect, or, or distracting effect, at least, whereby it's not noticed that the bulk of those productivity gains, because of the medium that's used to coordinate everything, i. e. the the money and those who control it, is siphoning away most of it to that, you know, that growing, metastasizing, controlling entity. Right, this, and so this is this is my this is my thing with and potentially Elon Musk, right,
3: and 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 others in that. Now, I can't say this for, for sure because I don't know know him. I know people who know him really well, but obviously, it's somebody who thinks in first principles and actually buys Bitcoin on the balance sheet of, of, of something would have probably done the work on Bitcoin. What makes it different, right? And and somebody who built, uh, remember, he built PayPal. To be able to build, build PayPal, you'd have to know how the financial system works to its core, especially if you're thinking it in first principles. So you would also realize that if I'm on top of it all, I I essentially get to steal the productivity from everybody else at a greater greater rate. So if you know that and you're a tech company that's driving to AI, and you know that what that looks like, then you're actually making by not going to Bitcoin. What you're saying is, I am going to pretend to solve a whole bunch of other problems by stealing the wealth of society. To do so, well, 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 pretending to save the planet, mm-hmm. and it's just not true. And so I, I, so the the point here is, I actually don't care because there's nothing that anyone in those systems can do about Bitcoin. Will it get harder? will people try to will people confuse other people but they're not going to confuse you they're not confusing me they're not confusing preston they're not confusing luke um, and and more and more of us are starting to just talk about the truth and as, as more and more great people see that more and pe- more people step out of the existing system that they're in into the new one and the new one gets stronger with each of us as nodes
0: totally agree i guess the 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 final question there is, do you think AI in this current system, I think we'd all agree that it, you know, it has a lot of potential in a, let's say a Bitcoin denominated system, but in the current system, is it a net negative or a net positive because of ne- that? Net dynamic? negative. It, right. It, and- AI, and think about when it moves into robotics, it's
3: very simple. From the existing system, it will control you. It'll be used to control you.
0: In right. the in, in the Bitcoin, it'll be used to free you. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. And do you think my final question on that before we welcome in Luke, if he's there, but will this accelerate? Yes. Yes. It's going to accelerate the, the growth oh, of, of the, the system, but will it accelerate therefore the demise of it as well? Or both, b- b- both. it'll acc- accelerate both systems. It'll accelerate the
3: consolidation of power from the existing system and it'll consolidate and it'll, it'll accelerate the learning of the new system. From right. people stuck in the existing system both will happen it's going to be crazy chaotic and what system that you're measuring the world from if you're missing so what would a dishonest ledger say about an honest one right <laughs> you just think about think about what we hear in, in the enemy exactly but think about what you hear in, in in the media and everything else and i just wonder why does do people give it more strength why do people give like I could care less. I know what this looks like. I know all of the next steps in what this looks like, um, and 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 I'm on the system that can't be fucked with. And so I'm going to build. I'm going to build with all of the builders faster acceleration to the system that can't be fucked with.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Luke. Luke Roman.
4: Hey guys, how are you? Love Luke. <laughs> how you doing? Not too much. How are you doing?
0: Oh, good. Well you're walking into down. a conversation about uh AI deflation, Bitcoin good, fiat bad, just to catch you up to speed.
4: Perfect.
2: Uh um, his
0: favorite conversations. <laughs> <laughs> well, Preston, exactly. I exactly Preston. I don't know if you had anything to add to that before uh you know we we get Luke's take on the current goings on that we've been touching on so far. I, the only thing I would add is, is I think you're at a point now with all of this where they, they
2: want the productivity gains, they want to continue to see these deflationary forces and mask it all, and they don't want the creative destruction that comes along with all of that, right? If you want to keep pulling productivity to the left through borrowing, you have to, you have to allow creative destruction to occur with, with all of that in a free and open market to, for it to actually exist. But what they keep Silicon Valley Bank's a great example. You could, you could just go back to like the last 20 years, especially where like anytime you started to get like real uh, liquidation and repricing of assets, like, like the, the skyscraper we we're just talking about that was over hundred million and now it's at 1.5. That is creative destruction. It's happening there. But I would say on a net basis, on a very grand basis, if it's an asset that's actually desirable and the right people own it, it's not going to be allowed to experience creative destruction and to liquidate at at those types of prices, right? And so you can't have the one without the other if you're actually operating in free and open markets. We're not operating in free and open markets, and the the trend of the manipulation is accelerating.
0: So that's and that's and that's, and, and the the result of that manipulation is just going to be. Press your power you're delaying. down and repression up. So that's, that's And it. control. And
2: control.
3: Right. Remember, you're, you're, yeah. it,
0: it yeah. cannot
2: happen without
0: more control. That's People what my, I mean up. by repression, yeah. yeah.
2: What you're doing is you're delaying creative destruction. It's building up like mm-hmm. in a tank, right? And it's about to rupture. Where, when and where, I, I can't tell you. But I can tell you that that tank of creative destruction is is building. It's going to rupture. And when it does rupture, there's going to be certain people that just get prices that just don't even seem possible for the monetary units that the world kind of seems to to value and think that are the, the way to value things with. I have a feeling I, I know who these people are and what types of prices they're going to get for things. Um, <laughs> but that day hasn't come yet. And uh, you know those people are probably just sitting there very uh, patient and just waiting and not anxious and they're passing the marshmallow test, uh, and it's a big, giant marshmallow.
3: Can I just say one thing just before Luke jumps in? For Preston, your call on moving all your free cash flow to Bitcoin at the exact bottom of Bitcoin
2: was a real, real call. <laughs> Dollar <laughs> cost average your Bitcoin. Do not try to time the
0: markets. that's the second good historic call. If I, if I remember correctly from, from Preston, I think the first was the 2017 high, right? Lock. (laughs) (laughs) Luke, Luke. Talk to
4: Yes. (laughs) Can you, can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. Talk to you about happy to talk about whatever. Thanks for, thanks for letting me join. I appreciate it.
0: Well, I mean, again, just to catch you up to speed, we, we, we do these every I don't know, four or five, six months. And uh, we just hang out and, and talk macro. And we started off by saying, as we've often been saying lately, there's a lot going on, you know, and it seems like things are that recession that everyone's been talking about for a while. It seems like the indicators are finally, you know, pointing to that. That's going to start materializing and perhaps within the next six months, a credit events and the various responses to that. And then we've been, we've kind of been going back and forth between granular on what's happening, you know, in markets and with rates and money printing over the next 12 to 18 months, and then 10,000 feet with, you know, how Bitcoin resolves a lot of these problems. So I don't know where you'd like to jump in, but the the floor is yours.
4: You know, I would just say that, I mean, I think, I think you guys kind of know my views and such of the world. I, I think in terms of new things that I think are really worth highlighting. This Treasury refunding documents last week, I thought was a real crossing of the Rubicon of sorts. Uh, The three documents they released last week where they came out and and they basically said, yes, we have a financing problem. uh, Or yes, we have a long-term debt demand problem. And here's why we have a long-term debt Demand problem. And here's how we're going to address it. And the way we're going to address it is not sort of the way developed markets have always handled this kind of thing, which is we're going to slash entitlements, we're going to, we're going to slash spending. Uh, the way they're handling it is, is we're just going to stop issuing at the long end and move down the curve and issue it shorter terms, which is how Latin American banana republics have historically handled it. And <laughs> so there's two Rubicons really of sorts that were crossed. Number one, when you read these treasury documents, it is like chapter and verse things we've been talking about. It's there's not, you know, there's, it's the deficit. It's, Hey, we've been stuffing the banks and the money market funds and the pensions with this stuff. And they're full. In fact, they're selling foreigners. Aren't buying what they used to Uh, hedge funds have been the biggest marginal buyer. I mean, they, they lay out the 70% of the non um a non-fed buying since 21 has been has been treasury or has been households which is a, a significantly likely hedge funds so they're moving to where you know they're going to fish where the fish are which i understand and and i understand the political real realities that they can't cut entitlements and they can't cut the fed, and these are things we all know and so i just thought it was a really big moment in a quickening of sorts where you know it, it's like you know the first step to admitting you know to, to, to fixing a problem is admitting you have a problem and last week they admitted they have a problem and then they decided to deal with the problem by like throwing down another bottle of whiskey over the next two quarters by moving to the short end so it's like <laughs> it's 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 really incredible to watch um but i thought like in the context of everything we've been talking about for some time, um, I thought that was, um, I thought last week's uh, was was a really, it punched above its weight in terms of what we've seen in markets. And you saw markets react to it a bit. You saw the S&P go up and you saw the dollar go down a bit. You saw yields come down and all these sort of initial trading shifts. But I don't think it's at all been fully digested in terms of what really just happened.
2: And John, it's important to to note that like as they move from not being able to issue long duration because uh, nobody would want to buy it, which is the reason, um, as they move <laughs> further and further to the short duration issuance and rolling everything with short duration issuance, that's when like a lot of historically you can look back through through many historical examples is like once that happens. Now you're just adding to the money supply because it's all just short duration money, right? You can't afford to go out on the long end of the curve.
0: And are you anymore. are you more susceptible to rate changes as a result? Like, are you more no it, short duration money?
2: More? is short duration, and that's that's why they have to move there is because it's not susceptible to rate changes. Um. So yeah, I mean, well, they're expensive. expensive. Well,
4: their expense rate prices faster. I mean, they they're the bonds fall less fast you're you you if you hold the bonds you're shorter duration you're less susceptible to rate changes but also the for them the borrower it's like it's like financing on a credit card it's, you know yeah, you're, if they I mean. come out and say your rate goes up yeah it, they, it it reprices the debt it increases the rate at which the debt reprices over time
3: and we're talking, and right, and right now we're talking about the U.S. and what they But but when you think about the global economy tied into this system, and J- Japan and what's happening in Japan right now with their dollar uh, going, what that inflicts in in Japan is pain and inflation and everything else. And some of what it could break and cause different things, like we really literally. That's actually I would think like like when we talk about these things, a lot of times we when you not this group. But when I hear pundits talk about it, they have a very narrow view of the thing that's going to do, happen, and sometimes they're right because, but they're measuring something. This is economies work like chaos theory rather than a linear event and something. So you can't see the butterfly flapping its wings somewhere else that creates creates a cascading event around. And there's just so many of those events that could take place anywhere
2: here. Mm-hmm. John, I got a question for Luke. So earlier, uh, before you came on Luke, I made the comment that whatever the liquidation event is that kind of cascades through the market, I kind of think it might be in concert with the reverse repo getting drained somewhere, you know, call it six months to a year from now, we see this liquidity event, that we may see bonds get bid through that for a very brief period of time, just because Wall Street is playing it speculatively and with momentum from a momentum standpoint, and they're not, none of them are planning on holding them through uh, the the maturity date. But as as, as soon as those rates get low enough, I think the Fed, I think everybody that's any type of central banker at this point, Realizes they cannot allow these these yields to come flying back up to double digits, which is where I think they would naturally go if they allowed them to, in the corresponding uh, you know liquidity that they have to add into the system. That yield curve control across the duration of the yield curve is going to have to be a thing that they implement within six months to a year after their response, their liquidity response. I'm curious, do you agree with that? How do you see it differently? Do you think that the that the yield curve gets bid uh during that event, or is this very different?
4: no i think I think you probably would see and I think it depends on how big an event it is I mean if it is I don't know a, 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 a crash. A cr- I mean, versus just kind of a plain vanilla. I think of a plain vanilla recession. I think it probably lasts more like a, I don't know, three to six month bid for the long end. So as, as you sort of get that muscle memory of global capital. Okay, we're into a recession, and 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 so much of the trading is programmatic or or, or you know technical anyway, where it's. It's, it's a machine just saying, okay, this print just happened by 10 years. And so I think you get some – and the reason I say the speed of the crisis matters, in my opinion, because that speed of the crisis, at least is how I'm thinking about it, will tell us how quickly we get our first, holy shit, I can't believe they're issuing that much paper, or holy shit, I can't believe the deficit is that big this month moment, because that will be the – that's where the humans will come into this and go, why am I bidding 10-year paper when, you know, as I phrased it in, in some of the reports we've done, is, is the deficit right now is 8% of GDP. Last three recessions, they've gone up 6, 8, 12 points of GDP. If we take away the 12, because it's COVID, let's assume it's not, we're going to shut down the economy. Let's just say it's six, sort of 01. You know, that took... 12 months to go peak to trough, you know, that 6% of GDP increase in the deficit. Uh, And that's why I say that the, but let's say it's six happens relatively quick, like end of the day, when deficit nation, that's mostly that is foreign finance, historically, at least you don't flock into, uh, uh, into the long end for safety when the deficit's 14%, like they're going to inflate the shit out of everything they're going to have to. And so it's, it's. It's a question of so yes, I think you'd probably get a bid. Um, I mean, we can see already sort of the sensitivity to just, hey, we thought they were gonna do 160 billion at the long end, they're doing 10 at the long end, and that got us whatever it's gotten us, 45 basis points, for you know, 40 basis points on the tenure. Great. Now, what's the what's the trade-off, right? The trade-off is gonna be, you know, oh wow, GDP growth is better than we thought. You know, and already I, we've seen it,
1: you
2: know, I just don't I can't see a world where this is a slow, like uh, subtle recession. Like they've compressed this spring. I think that even through COVID, they continued to c- uh, compress the spring of what would be a naturally recur, uh, occurring, uh, liquidity event since 2008 2009 I think they've suppressed it since 2008 2009 they've jammed that spring as tight as they could make it and the thing's ready to pop like it's actually probably even going
3: back before 2008 it's probably 2000 right and then um, they then 2008 was bigger this is way way bigger again and that's exactly the. I'd I'd love to look from a because how this resolves short term I, I actually like how you think about kind of what the Fed could do. Because you'd have to think in this, we've got to do something, right? And there's a whole bunch of things that could happen really quickly. You could banks, re- revalue gold, right? To be able to clean, clean something. Now that has repercussions because it makes Russia, China stronger, right? On, 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 on that same thing. So maybe that doesn't ha- happen based on that. But there are some pieces. I don't it doesn't so it doesn't resolve the problem long term like technology moving faster and faster. So Bitcoin I still think reprices everything over a uh, longer term. But but I'd love you to just walk through a little bit kind of what you think on on gold, on why that could in a short term or shorter term play into some of the things that Preston's talking about as these things hit a wall.
4: So something that surprised me and this this ties into that into, into both of your questions is, is I had a meeting recently with, uh, a client who's been doing this a long time. Graybeard worked in major money centers in Asia, in the U S. Um, and he had introduced me to somebody who is a very well-known, um, wall street acts, you know, big, big analyst in a major consumer sector. Um, and we sat down and started talking. And out of the analyst's mouth, and, and they are a bottom-up fundamental. They don't do macro, other than the extent that you know they, they have to understand where interest rates are and what have you, because they're an interest rate sensitive consumer area. And how quickly they went to nobody's buying our paper. That surprised me. That in, and I think that as we talk about how how long will the bid persist and then what will sort of can be done with gold on the other side. It's possible that I'm underestimating how common knowledge the, the the funding problem already is, because if, if that, you know, they, they, these people are very well connected. If they're already, nobody's buying our paper. And like they, within the first three minutes of meeting me, they, I mean, she didn't even really know me that well. Um, you know, that's kind of a, um, a very aggressive, direct thing to say, um, <laughs> if, and that'll only become more common knowledge. It's not going to get less common knowledge. Um, then that that changes the dynamic of this. Will take six months of a bid, and it'll be three months of a bid at the long end, or it'll be a month at the long end of the bid. It's a, just a trade, and I. But where gold can factor into this, the longer they delay implementing the significant negative real interest rates right uh the more the the bigger the negative real interest rate has to be to get out of it uh both yep. because technology's pushing down and, and, and let's just say this interest- let,
3: let, let, let's say the same so because we're saying the same thing different ways bigger the financial repression
4: bigger the financial repression <laughs> right. exactly so and at some point and, and the problem <clears throat> of course is is that you know it, it's almost like You know, needing to hold down, you know, a chihuahua, you know, when your debt is low, you know, to hold the debt market down and basically try to strangle the bond market, right? You're basically trying to strangle the bond market. When it's a chihuahua in 2000, you can do it. When it's a German Shepherd in 2008, you can kind of do it. It's now like a friggin' woolly mammoth.
2: And it's the Harry Potter dog. It's the Harry (laughs) Potter dog.
4: (laughs) Yeah, with the three heads, right? And, and so there's no and, and and so what I mean by that, of course, is that like you can do yield curve control when you're Japan. You can't do yield curve control when you're the US because the Fed's gonna have to buy the entire treasury market like now. And then literally like 10 minutes later, the entire mortgage back market's gonna be, hey, you gotta buy us too. <laughs> and then the corporates are gonna be right on their heels saying, Hey, Fed.
2: So the So what they let the, the price they let the yields blow out the 15% plus? They can't. They got to buy it all, like now.
4: Yeah, and that's what I mean. Is like so. You, the longer they let this go, the more the only option becomes raise rates, knock down the price of the treasury market. Right from say 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 there's twenty five trillion in treasuries outstanding. Say now mark to market, they're fifteen trillion. After they've knocked the prices down, right with with yields going up, and then you write up the gold. Treasury says, hey, Fed, you got to write up the gold every every uh, uh, four thousand dollars is a trillion dollars that gets deposited into TGA, And that's that goes right to Yellen's checkbook. Uh, and, you know, so say twenty thousand dollars an ounce is five trillion. I can buy back five trillion in debt in the open market instantly now. And now there's only 10 trillion outstanding and against 25 trillion GDP, 40, 40 percent debt to GDP. Now I can take rates to where I need to let it go. And it's then you can you can then you can you can at that point operate an independent monetary policy. And to the point about technology, you can you can allow creative destruction to the private sector without that creative destruction threatening the solvency. Yeah, of I, I,
3: I don't think you can. Because I think what ends up happening is you kick it. I think technology is moving so fast, and technology should be deflationary. I think you kick it to the private sector, it rolls up to the uh, to the government or corporate, then it moves up to the government again, really fast. That's actually why I say gold could be a stopgap trade, and it might be a really good one to be able mm-hmm. to do that. But it doesn't stop this train from coming. There is no. Oh result. no, it doesn't. There, there is no, no resolution. There is no resolution to the world no. we live in from an inflationary monetary policy.
0: Can I also just no, ask- oh, No, no question. Do you, what do you mean mark up the gold to 4,000 ounce or whatever it needs to be an ounce. What, what does that mean?
4: So there is a, a book, you can find it online, it's, it's public. It's the Financial Accounting Manual for Federal Reserve Operating Banks. And in it, I think it's section 2.10, uh, but it's definitely in section 2.something. There is the accounting, this is basically like the accounting rules for for the federal reserve banks and it says just mechanically treasury can say fed right up the official gold of the united states and the action of doing that creates an accounting so gold up you know debit gold credit <laughs> treasury general account which is just janet yellen's checking account that she can do whatever she wants to do with. it's just an accounting treatment it is it's a little like the platinum coin nonsense, you know, gimmick, right. and it's a hundred percent gimmicky. Uh, except it's in the Federal Reserve, you know, it's in the it's in the financial accounting manual, the Federal Reserve operating standards.
0: Does so does it have any awful. influence on, like, you know, the real so-called gold market pr- price?
4: It, I would think it would have to, because it ultimately, to. It, it's it's just one market and. So practically speaking, you would you would be you, what it does is it creates liquidity without creating the debt. Right now, to create dollars, you create debt on the other side. This just creates the dollar with no offsetting debt. This is just straight friggin' money printing.
0: It really is the platinum coin well, thing, basically. I mean, you're just taking something yeah. and saying it's worth this much now. <laughs> well, maybe maybe it's million a million little more dollar restrained dollar than Anyways. one coin worth a trillion dollars, <laughs> but you know if we're going to if we're going to properly discuss like these
2: what ifs in the future i think a really important thing that you also have to do is what else is happening in the in the backdrop of okay. these events okay so what's bitcoin doing at this at this point in time 1 2 years from now when all of this chaos is occurring is bitcoin at 100,000 is it at 300,000 is it at the price it is right now because when you look at those events that we're talking about, what we're really talking about at its core is the erosion of trust of the legacy system. It's people looking at this and saying, none of this makes any sense. They're talking about like platinum coins that are worth trillions of dollars just because they put it on the, po- like it doesn't even, like we're in fantasy land. Meanwhile, <laughs> you have this thing over here, this alternate system. Let's just say it's at 100,000 or 200,000 of a bitcoin. And people were looking at, well, what backs that up? Oh, well, there's all these people all around the world that are plugging in servers that are consuming electricity. Well, who's their customer? Like, why are they doing this? Are they making money? Yeah, they make money doing it. Well, how do they make money? Like, who who's the person that's paying for that? Well, it's these people that, you know, have this, this these new coins that can't be debased and they have trust in this system that nobody can manipulate the number of units in it and they're paying for the security of it that's the customer right like i think that you are you are and it gets to kind of a question you asked earlier john and you you did it in a different way and what i think you were asking is are we at the event horizon or or are we very close to this event horizon and i would argue and i've been arguing this for a while on the last cycle what i told people is i think we're closer to the event horizon than most people would would suggest, like, at that point in time, at the last having everybody's like, this is a 30 year thing, this is going to take 30 years for it to play out. And I was like, I think this is way closer to where we're at in the timeline than people realize. Is it this cycle next cycle? I don't know. But it's closer than you think. I think on the coming cycle, I think this thing is going to melt people's brains. The reason I think it's going to melt people's brains is because it's died three times. It's resurrected itself three times. Okay, the fourth time it re re re, re-, re- oh, I'm messed up in my head with the words. Right, resurrects itself. Come on, you're in the south.
4: You should know the word resurrect. Come on, let's go. The
2: fourth time it resurrects itself is is the time when people are saying, "What in the world is this thing that's now at $150,000 for an imaginary Mario coin? Like, what is this?" I've seen the tulips chart for, for a decade straight, right? They're, they're manufacturing uh, these coins at the fed so that they can add trillions of more dollar units into their TGA. Like all of this stuff really kind of comes together and it's a total erosion of trust and people are going to seek something that, that solves that trust issue for them. Yeah. And I
0: think the, the, the same question, another angle to that, was what we a- I asked Jeff earlier about AI. Like, does AI accelerate the event horizon because it accelerates yes. that disparity yes. dynamic between deflation and money printing? And if it, and if we were all pretty much in agreement that AI is accelerating a lot of things, yes, it's probably overhyped, and there's going to be a consolidation period. But it's, again, it, the this is out of the it's, it's underhyped. Well, it's agreed. agreed. I, yeah, it's, it,
3: like, so I'm, I guess I'm it matters for...
0: who you're talking to. If you're talking to Spencer Schiff, maybe it's a little overhyped. If you're, you know, maybe normal people, maybe it's <laughs> underhyped. <laughs> so, but I, again, I'm very close to this entire
3: thing, and it's overhyped in the way in, but to its relation and economy economies. If you take instead of or AGI, which might be overhyped right now, and you say special, uh, uh, special knowledge, then then what you get paid for the most. Is having an experts uh, above anyone else, right? That's what drives economies. That's what drives pay. That's what drives it. and the best. At, it's, you're when you're, you're the best at something in sports or something, you get paid a lot more than the second best, third best. Same thing in econ- economies because you deliver that much value in a society or whatever, you get paid um, on a bell curve uh, uh, like that. And and in AI. This is already a narrow AI in industry after industry and industry after industry, and it's just knocking them all down. It's mm-hmm. the best by far.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Right. And so it doesn't matter if it's AGI invested everything broadly as it relates to the economy. It does it, it, that's going to happen too, and that's going to get more and more uh, a, a, as we move. But the starting step on 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 how it matters for productivity and what these prices should be falling at an exponential rate mm-hmm. is because of what I just said. so mm-hmm. that and, and that's not overhyped. That's actually happening right now at a rate that people can't comprehend. Right. when it's tied to robots, and that robot can do everything you can do at a way better scale than everything else. I brought loop to Vancouver to to kind of show him friend of mine's company <laughs> that 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 what this what this means and china just made an announcement last week that in two years they're gonna like massive produce these types of robots that are that are a- ai robots like when you think there's some growth while that happens but all that growth removes those jobs at a staggering
0: rate mm. this is this is the most underhyped thing in what we're and well, that- what we're, sure point taken but that, that's exactly what i mean is that all that productivity within a fiat monetary system much of it is being shifted to the it's, person it's, controls stolen, the it's, money. Sto- it's stolen from us right right and but that is the point that accelerates the event horizon right yep. that's to, to yes. the conversation we we're having before so i but my question another question is you know we, we talk about these events right a credit event a stock market crash a, a war whatever but you know God willing, the show rolls on, right? We don't destroy ourselves. You know, people will be discussing this 100 years from now. So, in, I guess, in your view, Preston, because you used the term, what is the event horizon for you? Is it just the broader I recognition that there's only one exit hatch here? It would be the buying power that the, the cumulative
2: amount of Bitcoin units uh, that, like, what you could buy with all of those units equal the the units from the legacy, the the entire fiat legacy system. When those are at parity, I would, I would say that you're truly at at the real event
0: horizon. Does that mean something like the market cap of Bitcoin equals the market I, well, cap of whatever phys- other financial a, assets? A physicist would disagree with that. Cause the physicist, like you, you are
2: guaranteed to go through the black hole at an event that's not like Uh, right okay like like you could you could argue that like right around now would probably be something that i don't think that they can get out of this through austerity and reasonable you know actions collectively across the globe so yeah you're there right that it'd be how you would define it but for me when i'm talking to other people and and uh you know if they don't understand this and they react late Okay, imagine that we are at that parity moment where all the Bitcoin units are equal to all the legacy fiat units. If you took your net worth and you, and you transitioned it into Bitcoin at that moment, and then we went to the other side where Bitcoin is now the dominant unit of account, like your net worth of what you had retained in savings is, is pretty much exactly the same. There's no change for you in that event okay leading up to it there was gross uh loss right and then on the other side there's there's uh abundance but for all inter- intensive purposes if you lived in a in a normal house had a car like all of that lifestyle isn't going to change all that much for you uh, on the other side the earlier that you adopt some type of position size to the left of that 50 50 parity you are going to have more abundance in what what your net worth is um, than uh, then if you adopted it right at the 50. If you're to the right of that event, you're going to have a smaller net worth than what you had. So when I look at where we're at in that, in that parity moment, we are so far to the left of that parity moment that even if a person has a 1% position size today in Bitcoin, I think it would protect their entire net worth I agree. Um, on the other side. Now, what's going to be really difficult for people is if Bitcoin's at, let's say Bitcoin's at 500,000 per coin in USD terms, I think at that point, that person needs to have about a 10% position size of Bitcoin in their overall portfolio just to just to be able to protect their net worth, okay? Now, why why that's hard is because people who are going to have watched Bitcoin go from, Let's just say the price ran from fifty to five hundred thousand, and it was this big abrupt move. Everybody who's looking at that is saying, "Well, I'm not going to buy it now." We've seen this play out three times prior, right? Like I can't buy that right now. And the people who are all the crazy speculators buying NFTs and stuff like that, right? The 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 people who have uh, this innate sense of protection and and know that when something goes up ten x, that it's more dangerous at that point is going to be very hard for people to now have 10% exposure to this thing that is transitioning into this other you know, financial system. And what I think gets even harder about this is as we get closer and closer to this 50-50 parity moment, it might not come back down like it has historically. Like when these, when these currency systems unravel and they transition to a new unit of account for the planet, Like you get to a point, go look at the Germany chart, go look at any type of hyperinflating currency. It gets to a point where you don't get those dips in the volatility anymore and it goes and it's gone and it's not coming back. And there's going to be eventually a point where that happens. I don't know where that's at. I don't know how many more of these like cycles you go through before it literally just kind of rips the face off of it. See, this Uh, is even even when Preston's talking.
3: Like that you're you're talking in measured Bitcoin in value of U.S. dollars, and that's the mistake. And it's, yep. it's so we've already reached the event horizon. I've tried, like, I've I've you're tried, right. I, I I've tried to disprove this hypothesis in every way possible. And why I, there's two reasons, three reasons that I say say if Bitcoin stays decentralized and secure, one so people do their own homework why that's effectively inevitable because we control through the nodes i'm not changing my node <laughs> right and so so as long as we do that um and protect that uh, that it stays decentralized and secure um but so people do their uh their homework Two, to to realize that um how much this existing system is going to try to manipulate people in this, like with money or anything else, to try to, in, try to create a centralization function of this, right? So you could expect all of these things to, because if this is truly decentralized and secure, it's already changed the world and you can't negotiate it with it, Right it's our it's our, it's just it's going to play out over the uh this time so we've already reached the event horizon on this and what 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 what's happening is everybody who's living in bitcoin and pricing in bitcoin is watching it happen um watching their purchasing power increase not in in everything terms in oil terms in energy terms in all terms it's repricing everything else rather than the other way around but most people are stuck in, in the exact in the opposite system so it's already doing it and so when so when people say um, when is it going to happen it's happening it's already happening
2: <laughs> it's happening every what day are, right? it's for I, for I, us in in the world i live the prices just keep going down john they have yeah. since 2015 <laughs> since 2015 the prices just keep going lower like we, drastically lower right i can't understand why people can't see it yeah, we already live
3: in abundance, and, and the more and yeah. more people, we've started a venture fund, right? That that it, it measured in Bitcoin, right? Where we're our the com- the companies are actually collecting more Bitcoin on their balance sheets and growing like crazy. Um, we're going to have performance not against fiat, we're going to have in the top quartile of funds against Bitcoin, right? And as people start to see how how much innovation and how and what's happening there. It's going to attract more people more capital and everything else because they're going to want to try to share and to try to beat those types of returns which are outrageous
4: well and i would say too like lay- layering on the the legacy system in terms of the event horizon these systems always go the same way which is harder currency Fiat currency, get away, trying to discredit the hard currency. And then you hit a point where suddenly the fiat currency system needs the hard currency again to retain its credibility. Yeah, And I would argue for me, this moment of, I don't think we're quite there yet, but I don't think we're two years away from it. I think we're six to 18 months away of if the Fed doesn't hike, they're going to lose the long end because people are going to see that inflation is going to come back. Yeah. And if they do hype, they're going to strengthen the dollar. It's going to force this Japanese foreign selling of treasuries, and they're going to lose the long end. And if they're now in this spot where they, anything they do, I would argue that is, is the event horizon where they, they have lost, they, the, the, legacy legacy policymakers have lost control of the bond market in the reserve currency of the world, that's where you get into the, people say, well, that's deflationary. Sure, for a moment, but these are not people who like to let things dictate policy to them. They aren't going to lay off the Marine Corps and the Navy and (laughs) 70 million boomers. They are going to print the money. And that's so, I think we're getting to that point. And I think this common knowledge is building now, and I can see it just in my interactions, you know, I was a lunatic four years ago, uh, three years ago, and we all were people <laughs> right and now it's kind of
0: what do you mean in what way In what way.
4: Oh, I mean, I had people saying that the U. and, and people would say that I was um, not credible, uh, because I was saying the US has an, an imminent and accelerating fiscal problem. That basically the US had a debt crisis and you could mm-hmm. see it, and there were symptoms already, and they were accelerating, and here was why. That was not an acceptable view. Now, they still won't say we have a debt crisis, um, at least in the mainstream. But now they're talking about, I mean, Mohammed Alarian was on CNBC this morning talking about the volatility of the treasury market and how it's not conducive to the, you know, because he's trading. It's trading like Dogecoin. It's trading like a biotech with one drug in the pipeline six years from now. And this is the benchmark asset of the whole frigging system. So there, you can see this the sentiment shifting along as we move towards what I think is sort of what I would offer is, is the event horizon for the legacy system that will be a leading indicator for the event horizon as, as Preston and Jeff have defined it, because that will be the moment where the policymakers say oh we can't control the long end anymore our choice no matter what we do our choice is print and control it by force or our choice is to shrink our own power shrink our own spending and it'll the and, 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 and no by the way
3: and and, and uh, luke i think important to 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 pile on to that shrinker that wouldn't solve it but, no there's not no, at this there's point, point, point. It, not at this point we're too past far past uh that, Agreed. that yeah
4: okay oh, no it'll only solve it in nominal terms it will only yeah. prevent them from going nominal I mean I don't know if you guys saw this I'm gonna be I may write about it this week but there's an MMT guy who did a Freedom of Information Act and they replied they being the Fed the New York Fed sent him the policies that they put in place back in 2011 with the debt ceiling, just in case the U S defaulted on treasuries. And incredibly, the answer is the New York fed would accept and buy defaulted treasuries at the same par price as non-defaulted treasuries. Like I looked at that. I look at my wife. I go, are you fucking kidding me? Like, (laughs) like, 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 So like if, Think about what, like, that's through the looking glass. If a defaulted treasury is worth the same as a collateral, as an asset, as a non-defaulted treasury amongst the creator of the currency, there's no debt ceiling. There's no, it's, it's all, it's all,
3: it's nope. we all, live all make, we, we live in make-believe world. <laughs> it's,
4: it's, yeah, exactly. Except for the hard asset energy, like, like you said at dinner Jeff uh, back in April the 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 base layers energy base layers always been energy
0: yeah and it's a little seed growing up in this shitstorm of of fiat falling apart and it's like it's almost like it's coalescing order around itself you know little by little as everything as everything's being destroyed it's taking pieces of it right and putting it back in the proper order but it's such a such a small thing right now and but because of its attributes because of what we know it to be or at least think it to be we all think it has the potential to to convert all of that chaos ultimately into a better form of order you know that's obviously the hope let me ask you this guys and then i'll we'll wind it down but you know a lot of a lot of a lot is being made of the etf thing with with bitcoin we've been talking about repression as basically a you know guaranteed for how they attempt to contain or control what's coming. Where do you think the ETF falls in that, you know, in that domain in terms of looking things, looking at things through the lens of repression, completely separate, integrated in some way, part of that plan in some way. What are your thoughts? The, the biggest challenge that, that they have
2: with the, the ETF is just look at where all the coins are at right now. These coins are in the hands of the Bitcoin psychopaths, like the majority of them. And, and if- actually, and look at the keep
3: keep going. Chart, but look at the chart of how many people are holding through drawdowns. coming uh, oh, yeah. how many oh, are yeah. off exchanges? Like yeah.
2: try try to get those coins back. Go ahead and press them. Sir. So, well, so so when you're looking at it, so like let's just say Black BlackRock releases their product. We have hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin that flow into that product. Uh, the price is going up a ton and all these people are making tons of money in the grand scheme of things. Like the people that have those shares and that have like all that new buying power through that product, like it's a pittance, it's a pittance compared to the, the buying power that exists on all the other people that actually have self-custody of their coins and what in the world they plan on doing with their coins. And I can tell you just personally my coins aren't going into any type of equity unless I'm getting PEs of like a five or like a 10. And there's a massive competitive moat on that equity. Like I'm not parting with my, with my coins for anything better than that pricing. And I, and I would suspect that the people who have a lot of coins, thousands of coins, the Michael Saylors of the world- do you think Michael's gonna like give up the, the coins in his treasury for equity that's priced at 25 times earnings? Get the hell out of here. He's laughing in your face. <laughs> he thinks you're an idiot. And, and he's gonna continue to think that you're an idiot until you offer him, you know, a PE of five or seven or something like that. And the company's retaining Bitcoin and they're pricing things in Bitcoin. And like, like that person, the, the people that control real amounts of Bitcoin. They know the value of it and they know how to price. They know how to perform economic calculation on things that make money in this world. They don't throw that Bitcoin at things that are a hope and a dream and doesn't make any money. And the, the founder had a great story, like they're not doing it right. And those are the people that are going to control the strings of the world in, in this new world that we're going into. So like I when I look at the BlackRock product congratulations yeah you might get a couple hundred you might get a million bitcoin in that product but there's 21 million bitcoin and the people who control a, a lion's share of those coins they they know what the hell they got
3: yeah so i i have a different take on it similar but if you think where does the money that BlackRock invests come from right and the money comes from people like you and i and our pension funds yep right it's us and so what we're, what we're saying in, in the existing world, why it concentrates so fast and why it concentrates in the tech companies is because the existing system is manipulated. And effectively what we're doing and our pension funds are doing on our behalf is trusting more and more media, media, intermediaries who essentially have inside knowledge of how the system works to be able to try to, to get better, uh, better leverage than other people who are further away from that system. and that's where BlackRock would sit. So that's where they sit today and our funds go into these funds who go through a cascade into funds there to, that are trying to uh, trying to outperform markets that aren't able to outperform aren't able to outperform Bitcoin. And so now all of those funds are going to go in with a carry with a one fee or something like that. and over time they're going to make less return. It's going to bring a whole bunch more knowledge to the space on why self-custody is important. Um, and it's going to start, and some of it's going to start there. And then people are going to go, why am I paying a return? Why am I paying fees on something I can hold in self-custody and not pay fees on and get a higher return rate? And so all of this is, this competition, the free market competition um, is a perfect example. It just extends all of this. And what's happening on top of that, that's just the asset. The peer-to-peer internet that's building alongside this have you ever seen ever in history? um is there been a safer, faster, and cheaper technology that's open source, lose to a more expensive uh, insecure uh, and uh, um and, and unsafe one? Um, never, right. so 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 you can see where this is is happening and more and more people with this bringing on. So it's gonna bring on a whole bunch of knowledge and why this is un- important. And then more people are going to start there and realize, huh, maybe I should make more return myself just by holding it myself.
2: I, I wanna piggyback on what Jeff's saying. I don't disagree with what Jeff's saying. I think that there's an important nuance. What if half of the coins or more than half the coins, let's say 70% of the coins would flow into an ETF product that of the 21 million that exist. You might have a real issue on your hands if that was the scenario, because you have a custodian, BlackRock, who, who can somehow control. This. This, is what, this is the issue you got with gold, in my opinion. Yeah, right? totally. So that would be an issue. But I can tell you based on the people that I know, the ones that are self custodying and where all these coins currently nest the last thing they're ever going to do is buy an ETF share of BlackRock custodying their Bitcoin. It's beyond laughable to them. Okay. So I think that that's really important. The other thing that I think is important to go to Jeff's point is you're going to see an influx of people buy this product. You might have a million, let's just use a simple number. You might have a million Bitcoin that flow into these products. Okay. What people are going to find out in due time is as more people demand payments, immediate, immediately settling lightning payments, okay, there's <laughs> going to be yield to be captured for routing, okay? Do you think these people with the ETFs are going to be collecting those fees? They may through competition that some of these ETFs might start offering basically almost like a dividend to people that are sitting on this Bitcoin for routing as there's actual demand for immediate payments. You don't have that demand today. It's not there. But it's coming. It will come. Once the demand comes for the, that immediate routing, all of a sudden, now there's fees to collect by plugging the Bitcoin into channels and allowing that to participate or to, to collect those fees. Now, what I think is going to happen is you have all these people flood into the ETFs. Then they're going to realize hold on a second. There's a really big advantage to me holding my own keys because I can make 2% or 3%. It's going to become your risk free rate by holding my own keys and and exercising that through some turnkey solution that's going to materialize here. And I've taken pitches. I've seen different things. Trust me, there's something coming. Um, so I think that you're, you might have a swing where everybody wants the turnkey solution to, in their trading view or not trading, but into their uh, stock brokerage account to just buy the ETF because it's simple. They can put it on their balance sheet. And then I think in due time, call it Three to four years later, that pendulum might start to swing back the other way, where people who want exposure to Bitcoin and also want to get a kicker of additional interest are going to want to take self-custody. And you're going to see the desire for the ETF product to not be as high as it is like right now or in the company. I think we
3: just period. want one careful thing. Preston's totally right there, but we got to be careful of it's not actually yield. It's actually fees that are generated yes. from the lightning fees. So it's not a, it's not a credit instrument. It's you can hold non-custodial Bitcoin, your own keys, and con- contribute. So no risk in contributing them to the Lightning Network to drive liquidity, and and share in the fee generation of all those tiny little transactions, which will look like yield. Yeah, in the, look like it, it will look like yield in the and be the new free, and, risk risk-free rate of the new system.
2: And here's and here's how we can prove through definition that it's not yield. Is because you're not giving up the keys mm-hmm. you are not giving up the keys it'd be
3: you're like trusting me. some custodial you're not trusting ftx you're not trusting anybody you're not trusting
0: blackrock you have you your- still
2: have the keys so- <laughs> I, I
0: absolutely agree that competition and the other value to be derived from bitcoin other than just holding it you know cold storage or having a custody custodian hold it will over the course of time be too enticing you know for will draw people out of these instruments i think in the short term they're going to be incredibly popular you know one simple reason is that you can just you'll be able to borrow against it right you got a million bucks in bitcoin you want to borrow against it to get some cash or whatever you know that's something that people are familiar with so they'll probably they'll probably avail of it and in terms of this conversation around repression i mean it seems kind of far out now i'm sure we can all imagine it but could we be in a case where if it's not in an etf or if it's not with a registered wallet whatever that is then it's effectively illegal or you know whatever you know because yeah. you there'll be there'll people that 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 resist that will be called tax evaders you know can selfish I, you, you, all that can i of
3: jump of can i jump into that i'm like, saying that's that, a possibility
0: you know so
3: so, so anything's a possibility in a short term including like it so think about other currency regimes where they lock you, uh, lock you in and they amass mass fa- financial repression to see what would happen here. You create an underground economy that mm-hmm. explodes. And the underground economy is the market, right? And whatever you... Talk- so, so if all governments got together and did this, Bitcoin would actually grow faster um, mm-hmm. because you create an underground economy that would explode. It would, be, it would force the free market. It would force way more people into it because they couldn't trust the existing system. If one government did it, then there's a massive incentive for other governments to take advantage of the free market. so So North Korea can stop the internet from 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 helping their citizens, right? But they can't stop the Internet. Mm-hmm. right So essentially, you, your choice of not participating in this in this network is actually re- removing the wealth effect. That would go to your citizens from from stopping it. So yeah. every country could potentially try to do that, but it won't stop it. Even look at the hash rate in in China. They've, how many times have they tried to stop Bitcoin, and still over ten percent of the hash rate is in in China. You cannot stop this network.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think they the line they'll they could potentially use again. I I don't agree. That, I agree they won't be successful, but they'll say something like. Well, what do you need you know, to hold it yourself for? You got a registered ETF. It's got the seal of approval of the SEC. It's with the biggest asset manager in the world. I mean, what, you, you only want to do criminal stuff with it if you don't want to use that option, don't you, Anon? And I think that's-
3: That's why I keep saying kind of on other podcasts is the system we have today has regulation to protect your money from a system designed to steal it. How could that turn out bad? <laughs> Right, and so as more and more people realize that, you realize huh, I need to get out of this system that I th- that people are telling me if, is safe.
2: If your country passes a law that prevents self custody of Bitcoin, that's that's a pretty big red flag for you. Right.
0: Very. Luke, what flag. what do you think about all this?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think you can see, you know, try to take ten thousand in cash out of one of your banks in America out of a bank. Uh, it used to be easy. It ain't easy now. Um, vodka, right? Uh, my understanding is a lot of Swiss banks won't even take Americans because it's such a pain in the ass. Um, which is is you know, and and with gold, they did this. They made gold illegal from thirty three to seventy three. So they can they, there's things they can try to do, but there's a lot of you know, having lived the gold. I, I never owned gold till oh eight. But having spent time in gold, I think they're trying to run the same playbook. I think they're, which was, you don't need to confiscate gold. You can just convince people that holding a gold ETF is better and sell your gold and sell your scrap gold and turn in your bars and here, take this ETF. And that's what appears to have happened from the launch of the GLD through 2011 or 2013. Uh, importantly, like the price of gold went up 5x. There's the gathering, right? There's sort of the, in the short run and in their intermediate run, in order to convince people to do that, you need to have the interest, which means you need to have the price. Americans aren't going to buy anything where the price isn't going up. So you've got to have the price go up if you want to try to run that playbook. Now, centralizing gold is way easier for reasons you guys all know. Um, buying physical gold as opposed to paper gold is way more difficult or ETF gold, way more difficult uh, as opposed to Bitcoin where it is much easier to buy physical Bitcoin than it is to buy ETF Bitcoin. Um, So there's a lot of things that are different that I think, from my simplistic view, make it unlikely that they will be successful in Centralizing more than some amount, and, and and you know some some modest amount, like like Preston said, and because the people that know, you know, they know and and they understand. And as far as making it illegal, you know, or or I I think, I, yeah, I think I net out on it like Preston, did, which is if your country does that you have to start that for me it would be a red line right it's the same thing as like if they banned the second amendment in america that's the first time i would think about leaving that's the only way I, if, if they made if they made weapons illegal in america i would think about leaving if they made something like that illegal in america i would have to think about leaving too
3: The same and i think the same in canada and and and, and pierre right who i talk to often in versus versus trudeau and you you know this john right but so you have somebody who's wanting to move to the free market and you have somebody who's wanting to control uh, control it. And so that paradigm is going to play out in every single country across every single political system, but the more and more people realize what's happening from the control system that it's actually not protecting them, it's killing them. Um the more the free the free market starts to gain an advantage and people in there kind of get elected to so so this is why this is going to be so it's going to just be really messy on the way through country by country, different changes. And you can't predict those changes, but I'm the the same. I could get on a plane tomorrow anywhere. And there's going to be a lot of places that are going to welcome me and and business and everything else. And and into those. So if Canada wants to play a, uh, a, a harsh rule book and and this, uh, then it's going to cross a red line at some point and I'll move. Mm
2: -hmm. Yep. If if fiat, going back to what we were talking about earlier, if fiat induces tragedy of the commons amongst nation states, Bitcoin produces prosperity of the commons for those totally. that choose to participate in it. Yeah. And I you couldn't get a better like definition of how it changes things other than looking at that contrast between tragedy to prosperity of the commons.
0: Yeah. And this to you know this is the the thesis of a very popular book in bitcoin land which is the sovereign individual right you when these things start happening when things start falling apart when there's you know uh, chaos places certain places will adopt more sensible policies more policies aligned with truth policies aligned with freedom and they will attract the people that value those things and have the capacity to to go to those places and then it will become even more apparent that there's benefits in doing so right those people will be thriving there will be freedom there'll be prosperity there'll be peace and it'll be even more evident to those people that maybe haven't made the decision yet and that is my segue into my final point which uh, will be a plug for I I know Jeff at least is involved I don't know if the if uh, Preston or Luke are but speaking of places to go, you know, I mean, this has become a popular thing. And, you know, since COVID, basically, like, where are the places where there's more freedom, where there's less authoritarianism, where there's maybe more sensible policies, maybe Bitcoin is legal tender, like El Salvador, where you might think of visiting now and potentially moving if things really get hairy. And Madeira has kind of popped up as as one of them, a a Portuguese protectorate off the coast of Morocco. And uh, they're doing they're having a Bitcoin conference. In early March of next year, if I'm not mistaken, Jeff, and yep. I think it's called Bitcoin atlantis, right? yeah, that's right. why don't you uh why don't you show no, a, so,
3: yeah, so a couple of years ago and um i uh one of the people who uh translated my book was andre loha <clears throat> uh from madeira and then and then he asked me to and then the president of Madeira read read the book and then yeah, and and so so we just developed. Through Andre first and the President, and what was happening, and what it would look like, and how how the euro is going to be faced into a time that eventually they're going to have to essentially sacrifice the periphery for the core at some at some point. And if they didn't, then you would have an explosion of kind of political divide in different countries that would for force that different leaders and 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 such and 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 talked about what was happening here on the longer term and how countries or nations could take advantage of this by by building policies friendly towards bitcoiners and what was going to emerge on top of that la- layer so um he's very on side right now no it's still uh it's it's still they they can't create their own policy away from the euro so they Mm -hmm. can do some things and everything else but he he very much knows what we're talking about and very much knows on what's to what he can do and how to build a build a path to be able to do this and as such he's attracted a whole bunch of bitcoiners gg just moved there a bunch of others a whole bunch is going on into that so we um we put together something called free madeira which is uh which is driving bitcoin adoption um, and a whole bunch of things in, in uh, inside Madeira, and then we're putting on a conference. Um, actually, Preston is running one of the blocks, um, but it's going to be a, a really great conference where we're going to go through kind of beginners, what that looks like, and then and then what the transition looks like, and then what what it means on on top of what the future looks like on top of Bitcoin layer. So I'm super excited. We've got some awesome speakers uh, coming and it's going to be, bring your family. It's going to be a, it's going to be a great one. P.S. Yep. Luke, do you want to join us?
4: I'd have to look at my calendar. It does sound interesting. So. It,
3: yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> Just awesome send them pictures, spot. Jeff. Just send them it's, pictures. Yeah, <laughs> they look, they look it looks stunning. It's, you know, it, but, uh, I, I've been, it's awesome.
0: That, that's the point, right? <laughs> I mean, people... Go, we'll find sniff out these areas whether it's a small jungle town in Costa Rica as we have now with Bitcoin jungle or whether it's a country like El Salvador or any places where you know people the, the, where there's a will right where people want more freedom where they want more autonomy where they want to interact with other each other on a different basis and that groundswell where people start doing it showing that it's possible showing that it's better or beneficial then it starts you know it starts bumping up against Perhaps the political architecture there, and maybe it's receptive, maybe it's not, and it just if it it slowly finds a level right where all these places I think are enabled largely by Bitcoin, largely by the economies that it that can run on top of Bitcoin, and the lack of infrastructure that you need to do so means that these can pop up everywhere, and then it's just a matter of running the clock forward, and and uh, I think there's going to be over the next decade, I think there's going to be a lot of places similar to Madeira, maybe not quite as beautiful, a lot of them, but. Uh, that have that kind of, there's people there on the ground that want to see that change happen, and they're going to do their best to to prove it to others in that area that it's a, a beneficial change. And then more and more and more options will be available to people that are looking for, you know, a place that's more conducive or more in line with their values, you know. And so <laughs> I think it's, you know, I, I agree. There's going to be a half, you know, a healthy, not a healthy, but a hefty amount of of chaos in the coming years as these things unwind. But Tangential to that, I think there'll be a lot of very, very interesting, novel, you know, never before seen sort of places and communities and, you know, uh places like that bubble up and they'll be infused is, it, with the culture it, that we often talk about and the values that we often talk about.
3: I think that's why it's not it's not clear for people who aren't in this space all the time. You're in the space all the time, Preston's in space all the time. Like running a fund in this space or all the time. So seeing hundreds, if not thousands of companies building into the space and, and the intersection of what's coming that people have no idea that's coming. This is way more powerful than the internet. It's literally a peer-to-peer internet tied to money and the entire, th- I'm sorry, tied to energy that can't be screwed around with. And so that base layer is so solid now and getting more and more solid, more decentralized and more secure. That you have this explosion of innovation happening on top of that base layer. That uh, it, I I built a whole bunch of companies through the internet. Like I was early in the internet. I was invested in the internet. I understood. I understood what the world looked like at that point and what people said about the internet. Exactly what they're saying about Bitcoin today. <laughs> um, through that through that phase, and I understood what that looked like, and. And that, it was very powerful at that t- time, some of the smartest people I knew were building on the internet cause they could see a different future. It pales in comparison to what I see now. It's mm-hmm. a, and I just, uh, part, part of the reason it makes me so excited, I would want more people to see it because when you're, uh, when you're in this, you can't help, but just be massively optimistic if you're spending your time around those people and what's, what's coming. I understand the world doesn't see it yet because they're living in this chaotic hellhole that's getting worse. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but what replaces it
0: is is so powerful, exactly. And it'll be on display first in these jurisdictions in these regions the, in these, reg- in, the, in, it, yeah. in, these reg- in these regions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, gents, uh, this has been great. Love talking to you guys. Um, I'm going to pass it around now to closing remarks and shut it down. Luke, why don't you go first?
4: Uh, I would just say thanks for, thanks for inviting me. I enjoyed the conversation. I've uh, uh, (laughs) nothing, nothing to add. It's been very informative for me. So thank you.
0: We'll have to get you in on uh, another one in the future. Great having you. Perfect. Jeff.
3: Yeah. Just so good to see you guys as, as always, and look forward to doing some things
2: uh, in real life. Preston have a podcast part of ego death capital i religiously read luke roman's newsletter every week uh (laughs) that's all i got
0: (laughs) well thanks again boys and uh it sounds like we might all be in Madeira in march and it's going to be great to hang out and have some good food have a few drinks enjoy the natural environment and talk more about bitcoin as we always do so until then jen and until then gents take care thanks john thanks buddy you too thanks guys. guys